Big Screen is sponsored in part by Bristol-Myers Squibb, with additional support from Merck and Daiichi Sankyo, a company known for its passion for innovation and compassion for patients. Offscript Health would also like to thank Stupid Cancer, the National Cancer Institute, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention for their contributions to this series. What is a Sendemic? It's something I Google fairly on in the pandemic because I keep seeing it over and over again in articles about the effects of COVID-19. A syndemic or synergistic epidemic is the aggregation of two or more concurrent or sequential epidemics or disease clusters in a population with biological interactions, which exacerbate the prognosis and burden of disease. Syndemics develop under health disparity and are studied by epidemiologists concerned with public health. Uh, I call jargon. A syndemic is a combination of the word synergy and epidemic. Syndemic. Aha. So it's when two or more epidemics overlap and make each other worse. It's a buzzword that describes COVID-19's domino effect on other societal problems. Like an example would be the way the pandemic is making the opioid crisis worse. Bingo. The pandemic has created the perfect storm for all kinds of other disasters to crop up. We're seeing an increase in economic and racial disparities, obesity, depression, addiction, overdose deaths. And the list goes on and on and on. But one of the more alarming syndemics happening right now involves cancer rates. Wait, hold up. Are you trying to tell me that COVID-19 is causing cancer rates to go up? No, cancer diagnoses have actually gone down by almost 50% for some cancers compared to their pre-COVID levels. But cancer incidents aren't declining. They're just not being detected and diagnosed because people are missing their doctor's appointments and routine screenings. By the time the cancer is caught, it'll be that much harder to treat. So it's not that cancer rates are going up. It's that the rate of cancer mortality is going up. There's more cancer deaths. Yes, that's what public health officials are forecasting. And not by a little bit, but by a lot. So all the progress we've made was thrown off course like that. And that's exactly what this episode of The Big Screen is about. We're going to talk to health experts and patients about the toll of this cancer COVID syndemic. Welcome to episode two of The Big Screen, all the makings of a syndemic. Cancer is a long and drawn out disease. What can we do? If the disease was discovered in time, they could be cured. There have been remarkable advancements showing a decrease in the death rate from cancer. You're going to hear one thing that's repeated over and over and over again. The earlier cancer can be detected, the better off the person that has it is going to be. It's March 2020. The World Health Organization declares coronavirus a global pandemic. Hospitals quickly become overrun by COVID patients, 
and states across the country begin issuing stay-at-home mandates. Breaking news tonight, the U.S. and Canada closing their borders as the coronavirus pandemic deepens. New shelter-in-place orders as millions more Americans are told to stay home. Businesses are shuttered during the lockdowns. Work is done remotely. Doctors turn to telehealth to treat patients. But the Family Service Association in San Antonio, Texas, keeps its office open throughout the pandemic. I go there in October 2021 to talk to Mary Gar. I'm Mary Gar. I am currently president and CEO of a nonprofit in San Antonio, Texas, named Family Service Association. Uh, we actually serve across 14 counties here. Texas is a big state, <laughs> um, but a lot of because Mary knows a lot about pandemics. COVID continues to then affect healthcare on so many other levels. These are the second and third order effects that are affecting that broader population who are not getting COVID, but are having all these other health issues. So what does Mary do? Mary runs a nonprofit that provides educational, financial, and mental health services to lower-income communities. Family Service is what you'd call a preventative health organization. A dynamic community health program. Physicians, voluntary agencies, and the health department working together can do much to ensure your well-being and that of your children. I'm working in what we call our upstream health space, trying to help prevent health issues and trying to help create opportunities for healthier lifestyles, reducing barriers tied to where people are born, raised, live, work, play, and age. These are what Mary calls the social determinants of health. It basically means that your social conditions impact your physical conditions. They estimate about 60% of health is really tied to, you know, your social and environmental circumstances. And those can lead to significant health issues, morbidity, early mortality, etc. And that's why people in lower socioeconomic brackets have higher rates of cancer mortality. So many people in our country struggle with access to high-quality, affordable health care today. When they do access health care, a lot of times they're sicker, it's more expensive, and bigger risk of not surviving. So as you can see, Mary is very passionate about public health. She was even asked to be the interim health director of San Antonio during the height of the pandemic. She couldn't accept the position for reasons we'll get to later, But for Mary, closing her doors to people in need was just not an option. As a healthcare administrator, I know we should have had systems in place across our country. Knowing that there were so many challenges and obstacles, at the same time, we have disaster preparedness plans, emergency preparedness plans and health systems. You know, you have to have ways to to manage that. And one of them isn't shutting your door to your high-risk patients and ongoing patient care. Because when you do bring them back in, now you've created a, a bigger health issue that could affect their survivability, which is what happened to me. Okay. Plot twist. I'm not sitting in Mary's office to get her professional take on preventative healthcare. That is extremely informative, yes. But I'm actually in here to get her personal take. 
You see, Mary is in a high-risk population of a different sort. What kind of a high-risk population? Cancer. Not because of social determinants, but because of genetics. Colon cancer runs in Mary's family. And during a routine colonoscopy 21 years ago, her doctor found a cancerous polyp. And it was caught through a health screening. So I'm a very big champion for health screenings. I had absolutely no symptoms. Mary had surgery to remove the polyp. She did chemo. And she got on an annual screening plan. You know, sometimes it'd be clear and they'd say, come back in a year. Sometimes they'd say, oh, we found a polyp and we removed it. You're good to go. Can I have to do a few, you know, extra couple of colonoscopies in a year? They're not fun, but, you know, they keep me alive. Year in and year out, Mary stays on top of her screenings. Then everything changes. So I was supposed to have my annual colonoscopy May of 2020. There was so much uncertainty and, and a lack of access. Healthcare systems had basically shut down. And so um, I was told I couldn't get in. The clinic tells Mary that her elective procedures are canceled until further notice. They can't reschedule her colonoscopy because they don't know when they'll be reopening. Mary calls to rebook her appointment. No answer. She keeps calling and calling. Months go by. And then finally, someone picks up. When I called in July, they said, oh, we can get you in, but not until October, but not until October, but not until October. So I went in October and they did a colonoscopy and they said, oh, we see something and we need to really have it looked at by our specialist. Mary wants to know more, but they can't tell her. She needs to talk to a specialist, but she has to wait to get an appointment. The wait is agonizing. Finally, she hears from the specialist. So he called and said, okay, um, I can see you in November and, and we'll, you know, get it out. Mary breathes a sigh of relief. Her surgery with a specialist is booked. Five days before he was supposed to see me, he called and said, I'm so very sorry, but I'm being sent up to El Paso to help with the COVID surge there. I, I can't even imagine what would have happened to me if the surgeons were like, we can't help you or we can't help you now or just kicking the can down the road. That, that just, I can't even process that. They can't help her and they don't know when they'll be able to help her. So Mary's just stuck in this health limbo. And it's around this time that Mary's asked to be the interim health director for the city of San Antonio. It's something she really wants to do. And it was just so hard to realize I had to pull back and not be able to support our community on that level where I wanted to. But I also knew I had to focus on my health and fight for, you know, access to care for myself. Mary's calling and calling to reschedule her surgery. 
Days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months. She finally gets an appointment in late December. And it was a five hour procedure. And so when I woke up, he told me that I am very sorry. I was able to get out some of this polyp, but not all of it. It's too deep. And oh, by the way, it's changed from the pictures of your colonoscopy in October to now. It's aggressive cancer. I mean, I was stunned. Up to this point, Mary has done her best to remain calm and positive. But now, her worst fear is coming true. The cancer is back. She scheduled another surgery in January to remove the rest of the polyp. And it was a seven-hour surgery then, and then went back two weeks later on January 20th. And the surgeon said, I'm very sorry, I didn't expect this, but we've gotten the cancer out, but it spread to your lymph nodes. You know, it was like, well, we're all in this together. We're all dealing with, you know, this worldwide pandemic. Everything will be okay. It's not okay for me. The Big Screen is sponsored in part by Bristol-Myers Squibb, creating a better future for people with cancer. Bristol-Myers Squibb is inspired by a single vision, transforming patients' lives through science. The goal of the company's cancer research is to deliver medicines that offer each patient a better, healthier life and to make cure a possibility. For more information, visit bms.com. The Big Screen is also sponsored in part by Daiichi Sankyo, with more than 100 years of scientific expertise, Daiichi Sankyo draws upon a rich legacy of innovation and a robust pipeline of promising new medicines to help patients. Daiichi Sankyo is powered by scientists that push beyond traditional thinking to create transformative medicines for people with cancer. For more information, visit daiichisankyo.com. Mary recently completed six months of chemotherapy. She's back on her screening routine. But only time will tell if her treatment worked. With the type of cancer that I had, you know, every four weeks, my surgeon said, affected my survivability. If it had been diagnosed on time, everything would have been done appropriately. They would have caught the polyp and it wouldn't have progressed, et cetera, et cetera. Mary's situation is an irony among ironies. Because she's devoted her life's work to expanding healthcare access and preaching the importance of preventative health. But she says if this can happen to her, then it's happening to countless others. Because she's got great health insurance, she understands the importance of early detection, and she's an expert at navigating our health system. That's why she decided to write an online news article about her experience. 
I want to be an advocate, like I've tried to be all along, and a voice for people, because there are so many people that don't realize they're a potential statistic right now. And Mary's right. She's not alone. This is happening on a broad scale, and it'll result in a significant uptick in cancer deaths. That's according to the National Cancer Institute. Here's Dr. Philip Castle. I'm a preventive scientist that have been for my whole career, so I believe in prevention as the first line of defense against diseases. He's also the director of the Division of Cancer Prevention at the National Cancer Institute. As well as a senior tenured investigator in the Division of Cancer Epidemiology and Genetics. So Dr. Castle spends a lot of time thinking about preventative health. Here's what he has to say about our current situation. Individuals have been unable or unwilling to come to routine preventive services such as screening and other care, which sometimes leads to incidental findings and a cancer diagnosis. In many cases, they're being told to stay away or there's just been the availability of services because the clinics are overwhelmed with COVID patients. As a consequence, there's good evidence that cancer morbidity and mortality have increased. That is, among those who have been diagnosed with cancer, the outcomes are worse. So do you have any idea how many people will be impacted by this endemic? We don't have exact figures, but we know that pandemic disruptions caused at least 10 million missed cancer screenings. Researchers at the National Cancer Institute are using that information and other health data to gauge what the impact of this endemic will be. And what they do is they have these simulation models where they basically take a theoretical population and put them through the natural history of the disease, they usually use a couple different models and they look for sort of the convergence of results. But the models basically are calibrated to the cancer rates in the United States by age and uh, other factors. And then they say, well, what happens if we change something? Like, for example, we stop screening. The models predict that there will be 10,000 additional breast and colorectal cancer deaths over the next decade. So you mean to tell me that over 10,000 people are going to die from cancer because of COVID? That's terrible. Yes. And that's a conservative estimate. Now, keep in mind that that's just for two cancers and we screen for other cancers. And we also find some cancers just by accident because they come into the clinic, they have early symptoms, we get in there, we can save those people. So the actual impact is yet to be determined. So let me guess, those 10,000 cancer deaths will disproportionately affect marginalized communities. Yes, probably, because the pandemic is increasing racial and socioeconomic health barriers. For example, African-Americans and Hispanics were the two groups most likely to miss doctor's appointments during the pandemic. That's according to the Prevent Cancer Foundation. Before the pandemic, they already were experiencing these uh, cancer health disparities or inequities. Uh, underserved minorities and people of low SES tend to get socioeconomic you know, status, tend to not participate in screening services. Um, there are challenges in paying for the services. There's uh, challenges around having to take off work or leave their kids when they don't have any child care or can't afford child care. And rurality is a big deal, too, because 
you know, it can be hours to get to and from a clinic just to get your routine screening. And COVID has disproportionately affected those same underserved populations. No surprise there. They're not being screened. Uh, they don't know that where to go to get screened. They're scared. A lot of the same barriers that we see for cancer prevention, we see in COVID prevention or control. And then, of course, there's the money factor. Uninsured people are less likely to get costly screening tests. And we know that since the pandemic began, millions of people have lost their jobs and their health benefits. Right. And so even though clinics have reopened, the pandemic has created long-term barriers to cancer screening. But Dr. Castle sees this as a teachable moment. We've learned from COVID the hard way that there are some weaknesses in our healthcare system and infrastructure, particularly for public health services like screening. And we really need to shore those up in the future. The pandemic is also proving the value of screening because it's hard to quantify the benefits of preventative health measures until they stop. And one of the silver linings to this data is it will show that screening does prevent cancer, does find cancer earlier. And so that'll add to the evidence and and hopefully put a greater emphasis on the importance of screening and prevention in the United States. So how do we even start? First and foremost, we need to get people screened as soon as possible to detect any cancer, of course, and also to get people back in the habit of routine care. I mean, screening is sort of a cumulative process in terms of its benefits. They're additive. So that's why you get screened multiple times in a lifetime, because there's an added benefit to getting more than one. And so we're just we have to get the word out. And I think we have to get the word out now. We also need to improve screening technology, Dr. Castle says. If we make it better, if we make it more effective, you need fewer screens in a lifetime and the intervals between screens are longer. If you only need to be screened every five or 10 years versus every couple years, then fewer people would be affected by a two-year pandemic. The other thing that we've been doing, and I've spent a fair amount of my career working on this, is to develop um, strategies that really can reach people in underserved communities like home-based testing. The more that we can democratize screening by making it available through a variety of mechanisms, the more likely that um, more people will get screened no matter what the circumstances are, uh, including in a pandemic. There's actually an at-home test for colon cancer. But Mary says this wouldn't have helped her because if you test positive, then you're advised to get a colonoscopy. But Mary is looking forward to other screening improvements. You know, when more tests are developed, as the research continues to improve, there might be opportunities. You know, I'd like to think when we have that, you know, that the old Star Trek movies with the scanners and stuff, wouldn't that be nice? Totally non-invasive diagnoses here. Um, but we're not there yet. And, and there's systems issues. We can't bank on better screening technology, Mary says, because the tech is only as good as the systems through which we access it. She says screenings and other needed health services shouldn't be viewed as elective care. This really needs to be incorporated into emergency management plans on how to help ensure that high-risk patients are not left out during a future pandemic. And so even if they don't actively have cancer, you still monitor them. And it's easy to track your high-risk patients. 
And Mary's advising healthcare providers on how to plan for the future. I've had health executives from three health systems reach out to me because of my article, and they all thanked me and said, you're right, we failed our patients, we have to do better. So we've talked about all the bad things the pandemic has done to the cancer universe, but it might also be making screening better in the long run. Yes, that's the hope anyway. And that's next time on The Big Screen. In episode three, we explore the future of screening and new biotech that could revolutionize cancer detection. Join us for Screening the Next Generation. And for more on this episode, you can find the link to Mary Gar's article in our show notes. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Big Screen. If you like this show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. The Big Screen is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Betsy Shepard. Our hosts are Betsy Shepard and Matthew Zachary. The Big Screen is recorded, mixed, and edited by Betsy Shepard. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com.